Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. So today we're going to start the book of Hebrews. And today we'll just go through a number of introductions. We'll read from A.W. Tozer, MacArthur, and also from the English Standard Version um, commentaries. And we'll read a little bit about the book of Hebrews, get an understanding as to its authorship, the the, uh, background, kind of where people were at and who they were talking, who the writer was talking to and why. But before we do that, let's go to God in prayer. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all that you've done. I just pray, Lord, that you would help us and guide us to understand more about you as we undertake these next 17 days of reading your word of Hebrews. It's a message filled with many, many scriptures, many different ideas and thoughts. And Lord, I just pray that it would be valuable to each person who hears it as we read for the next couple of weeks. I pray that we would have our hearts and our minds open to it because there's so much there. There's so much to gain and to apply to our lives today. So Lord, I pray that as we read, that it be your Holy Spirit who guides us, who speaks to us and helps us to understand more fully what it means to love you with our whole spirit and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So Father, I lift up this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Hebrews, one of the things that drew me to it is the people that are being written to and are being addressed in it are new converts who are, who are facing persecution. And it's persecution of a significant um, intensity. And it's only, only going to get worse. And they have a lot of opportunity and a lot of potential motivation to turn away from this relationship, this new relationship with God, with Jesus, and claim it to be something that it isn't. To claim that Jesus was an angel, to claim that Jesus was a great teacher or a prophet, but not God. And that by doing that, they could lessen the persecution that they were experiencing against, against them. The persecution is coming through the Jews, the leadership, and also from the Romans. And it's beginning to really get intense. So let's go ahead and read what A.W. Tozer writes in his introduction to Hebrews. He writes, In the first century, followers of Christ were often subject to persecution from their fellow citizens. Hebrews is a letter of encouragement to help Jewish believers in Christ who struggled with their newfound faith. The authorship of Hebrews is not as clear as that of other New Testament books. Eastern and Western churches debate between Paul, Barnabas, Luke, Apollos, Apollos, I'm sorry, and Clement as the book's author. Although this epistle does not bear Paul's usual salutation, Christians from about the 4th century to the late 18th century believed him to be the author. To encourage believers who wonder whether Christianity is worth the pain of persecution, the writer discusses Christ's superiority to prophets, angels, Moses, and the high priest. For the writer, Christ is simply the much superior way. 
He is over all and above all and deserves the believer's worship. He is the perfect fulfillment of the Old Covenant and the establisher of the New. The book of Hebrews includes an Old Testament hall of faith, commending men and women who walked with God and persevered in their faith, sometimes suffering persecution and death. Regardless of their trials, believers are called and equipped in Christ to become more like him each day. Christ alone, the mediator of a new covenant, is sufficient for salvation. Since the epistle to the Hebrews does not mention the destruction of Jerusalem, which occurred around A.D. 70, it was probably written between A.D. 64 and 68. The outline of it is the new covenant in Christ, the two covenants, the faith of both covenants, practical advice, and final words. So that's Tozer. He keeps it pretty short and sweet and to the point. But if we then go to the MacArthur version and what he has to write, or what's written in that version, he writes, just even regarding the title of the book, when the various New Testament books were formally brought together into one collection shortly after AD 100, the titles were added for convenience. The epistle's title bears the tra- traditional title to the Hebrews, which was attested by at least the 2nd century AD. Within the epistle itself, however, there is no identification of the recipients as either Hebrews, Jews, or Gentiles. Since the epistle is filled with reference to Hebrew history and religion and does not address any particular Gentile or pagan practice, the traditional title has been maintained. And here again they then talk about the authorship. The author of Hebrews is unknown. Paul, Barnabas, Silas, Apollos, Luke, Philip, Priscilla, Aquila, and Clement of Rome have been suggested by different scholars. But the epistle's vocabulary, style, and various literary characteristics do not clearly support any claim. It is significant that the writer includes himself among those people who had received confirmation of Christ's message from others, which would seem to rule out someone like Paul who claimed that he had received such confirmation directly from God and not from men. Whoever the author was, he preferred citing Old Testament references from the Greek Old Testament rather than from the Hebrew text. Even the early church expressed various opinions on authorship. The current scholarship admits, I'm sorry, and current scholarship admits the puzzle still has no solution. Therefore, it seems best to accept the epistle's anonymity. Ultimately, of course, the author was the Holy Spirit. So what's the background and and setting for Hebrews? Emphasis on the Levitical priesthood and on sacrifices, as well as the absence of any references to Gentiles, support the conclusion that a community of Hebrews was a recipient of the epistle. Although these Hebrews were primarily converts to Christ, there were probably a number of unbelievers in their midst who were attracted by the message of salvation, but who had not yet made a full commitment of faith in Christ. One thing is clear from the contents of the epistle. The community of Hebrews was facing the possibility of intensified persecution. As they confronted this possibility, the Hebrews were tempted to cast aside any identification with Christ. They may have considered demoting Christ from God's Son to a mere angel. Such a precedent had already been set in the Qumran community of Messianic Jews living near the Dead Sea. 
They had dropped out of society, established a religious commune, and included the worship of angels in their brand of Reformed Judaism. The Qumran community, I know I'm saying that wrong, had even gone so far as to claim that the angel Michael was higher in status than the coming Messiah. This kind of doctrinal aberrations could explain the emphasis in chapter 1 on the superiority of Christ over the angels. Possible locations for the recipients of the epistle include Palestine, Egypt, Italy, Asia Minor, and Greece. The community that was primary was the primary recipient may have circulated the epistle among the, those of Hebrew background in neighboring areas and churches. Those believers probably had not seen Christ personally. Apparently, they had been evangelized by those who heard Christ and whose ministries had been authenticated with signs and wonders with various miracles. Thus, the recipients could have been in a church outside Judea and Galilee, or in a church in those areas, but established among people in the generation following those who had been eyewitnesses to Christ. The congregation was not new or untaught. Those from Italy is an ambiguous reference, which is in chapter 13, verse 24 since it could mean either those who had left Italy and were living elsewhere or those who were still in Italy and being singled out as native residents of that country. The generation of Hebrews receiving this epistle had practiced the Levitical sacrifices at the temple in Jerusalem. Jews living in exile had substituted the synagogue for the temple, but still they felt a deep attraction to the temple worship. Some had the means to make regular pilgrimages to the temple in Jerusalem. The writer of this epistle emphasized the superiority of Christianity over Judaism and the superiority of Christ's once-for-all sacrifice over the repeated and imperfect Levitical sacrifices observed in the temple. The book of Hebrews may briefly be summarized in this way. Believers... In Jesus Christ, as God's perfect sacrifice for sin, have the perfect high priest through whose ministry everything is new and better than under the covenant of law. So that's a summary. That's some of what MacArthur puts or makes available. Now if I look at the English Standard Version, it is a very intellectual and academic study One of the cool things that it does say that I love is right here at the beginning of its commentary, and it's the preface to their commentaries. It states, the Bible pulsates with life and the spirit conveys the electrifying power of scripture to those who lay hold of it by faith, ingest it, and live by it. God has revealed himself in the Bible, which makes the words of scripture sweeter than honey, more precious than gold, and more valuable than all riches. These are the words of life, and the Lord has entrusted them to his church for the sake of the world. He has provided the church with teachers to explain and make clear what the word of God means and how it applies to each generation. We pray that all serious students of God's word, both those who seek to teach others and those who pursue study for their own personal growth and godliness, will be served by the ESV Expository Commentary. Our goal has been to provide a clear, crisp, and Christ-centered explanation for biblical text. And my goodness, have they ever done that. Their their contributors are all over the world. They're some of the biggest names 
most significant names in Christian theology. But here they say, and this will be the end of it, Hebrews is unique among the New Testament documents. Its author described it as a word of exhortation, the same Greek expression used to describe Paul's word of encouragement in a synagogue of the Jewish dispersion. Hebrews is probably a sermon composed for a Jewish Christian congregation, showing them from the Old Testament, which God spoke through the prophets, that Jesus has fulfilled the promises and shadows given to Israel in the law of Moses, guaranteeing to believers cleansing of conscience and access to God's throne of grace. Hebrews explains both the continuities and the development in redemptive history from the Old Covenant given at Sinai to the New Covenant meditated, mediated I'm sorry, by Jesus. Hebrews exemplifies how revealed truths concerning Christ's unique person and redemptive mission establish Christians' confidence and hope, calling the church to perseverance and mutual encouragement. So that's a brief introduction to Hebrews. There's quite a few um, chapters. There's only 13. I, for some reason, I was thinking 16. There's only 13, so it'll take us two weeks uh, of everyday reading. But it's really geared towards those about to face persecution and those who need to hear the word. It's a, it's a sermon. And I f- believe we are going to be facing persecution in the future, if not already. I know that the Christian community stands against a lot of what this world is trying to introduce and make normal. And I believe that we need still need to be able to reach out to folks with a good sermon and a good message, even if that message is simply our lives. So it's for that reason that God, I believe put Hebrews on my heart. And I'm looking forward to going through and reading it each and every day with you. So with that, let's go back to God in prayer. Father, I lift up this day. I lift up this time to you. I pray for your forgiveness for the many sins, the sins that we're aware of, that I'm aware of, and that I commit, the hardening of my heart, and the sins I'm not even aware of, Lord, that maybe I just do them out of habit. But Father, I pray for your strength to continue to walk in your ways, to beg for forgiveness and strength to do what you want me to do, to live the life that you would have for me, to bring you honor and glory. I just pray as we read for the next 13 days that you'd open our hearts, that it would be your spirit that guides us. It'd be your wisdom and understanding we would gain. That there'd be nothing from me, but everything would be from you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.